Hi, I'm Elise Kennedy. Welcome to Jordan's Tech Startup Series, where we host entrepreneurs, venture funds, and technology companies on trends across the industry. Today, I'm excited to be joined by Steve Mabani. He's the CEO of digital investment platform of Alternative Assets Venture Crowd. Thanks for joining me today, Steve. It's a pleasure. Thanks for having me, Elise. Now, I'm going to start by kicking it off. Tell me about yourself and your background. Um, so I'm a corporate lawyer by training, um, and I was a partner at PricewaterhouseCoopers in Sydney for a number of years. I was there for 10 years, and I led the venture capital practice. And as part of that um, practice, we set up many of the VC funds around the country that you might know, all of the Artesian funds, Slingshot, Blue Chili, City Angels, Tankstream Ventures, and a bunch of others. Um, I also sat on the uh, management committee of Sydney Angels, and so I saw the functioning of a, a really well-organized angel investment group and how angel syndicates come together to consider startup deals and to invest in those deals. And then 25% or so of my practice was spent on the other side, which is working with the startups to assist them to prepare for a capital raise and then to, to conduct that capital raise. So I've kind of spent my entire um, career in the private capital markets on one side of the table or the other. Well, that sounds like you're very well versed on both sides, as you say. So tell me, what does Venture Crowd do then? Yeah, so Venture Crowd was established um, in partnership with Artesian Venture Partners um, a number of years ago off the back of a thesis which said, uh, in the same way that so many other industries have digitized to improve the customer experience, the process of raising capital and investing into alternative assets has always been a clunky and inefficient process. Um, and it can benefit from digitization, right? So um, we set about building a platform which could facilitate the entire investment process from deal awareness all the way through to due diligence, KYC, AML, all of that compliance stuff, um, into investment contracting and then portfolio management on both sides for the founder to run a campaign through that process and for an investor to become aware of things uh, and to invest in things that they previously would not have been able to access, either because um, they didn't have the capital necessarily to participate in a major fund. You know, you've got sort of opening ticket prices of 100 grand or whatever, which is understandable. Or if you want to be an uh, angel investor and participate in those groups, again, ticket prices, you know, usually it's sort of 25, 50 grand and a lot of effort, right? So you've got to be part of the syndicate. You do due diligence, you participate. Now, that's very useful for people who have that inclination, but it's not necessarily convenient for everybody. And so what it did was it alienated uh, a part of the investment market, investor market, that does have the capacity and the inclination to invest in the commercialization of innovation, but just didn't have an avenue to do that through either of those two channels. So the view that we took was over time, all of those really important uh, venture capital um, sources of capital will continue to be very, very important and they will grow and they will build and that's important. And in addition to that, the digitization of the private capital markets will sit alongside all of those traditional players and facilitate digital connection between a startup or an alternative asset and so many other investors who now can jump on their phone, click a couple of buttons and make an investment for five grand or 10 grand into a company that does a number of things. One, 
it increases the pool of investors and the diversification of investors that are participating in the commercialization of innovation, and it increases the pool of capital available. And from a founder's perspective, what it does is it allows founders to um, have one more tool in their toolkit that they can apply when they're building a capital strategy, where once it was a simple matter of, well, not a simple matter, but once, once it was a well-understood process of, I need to go to speak to all the um, angel groups around the country, and then I need to try to get an, uh, an introduction to as many VCs as I can. You should still do that where your deal is appropriate for those kinds of investors. Mm. And in addition to that, you can run a digital campaign which opens up your raise to many more people who would not have whose capital would not have um, found its way into angel groups or the VC funds. And so I think it's a really good outcome for the industry. It's good for mm. founders. It's good for investors. And overall, I think it speaks to the maturity of the the um, the venture capital space, not just in Australia, but this is happening globally. In the UK, for example, 30% of all venture capital invested um, in the last few years has been done digitally, right? And yep. this is not competitive with traditional sources of capital. It is accretive too. So mm. it's getting to and increasing the pool of capital and the number of people participating. And mm. that's where we think the venture capital sector is going more down that digitization path. That 30% that you mentioned there, do you know what that number is in Australia? Um, I expect it to be lower than that. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> the so basic not... market as a whole is still still, still a little bit behind, I'll say a little. Let me give you data I can, I do know, which okay. is like last year, which was a very, very difficult year for, for venture capital funding, right? Venture capital funding was generally in retreat most of last year, difficult to get funding if you're a founder, and most VC funds were bunkering down and focusing on their own portfolios, understandably, right? Um, in that environment, Venture Crowd, we clocked 74,000 registered members who invested over $53 million in a range of projects in what I think has been one of the most difficult venture capital years I've ever seen, yeah. right? So, um, and I don't know what that what that is as a percentage of you know the total yeah. funding, um, and we're not the only people playing in the digitization of venture capital space. And because we can't mm, accurately measure all of that uh, contribution, it's hard for me to answer your question. Well, it's our job on the research side to be able to find those answers. Um, you just gave a good segue to talk about competitors. Um, is it a very competitive landscape? Is there enough room in your view for everyone? Yeah, yeah, there's going to be, um, we think there will be, I mean, globally, there's lots of um, digital investment platforms that are emerging and that are doing really great work in this space, connecting founders and um, in investors. So we're certainly not the leaders. We are in uh, the digitization of an industry, much like, you know, um, entertainment or music or film or yeah. media back in the day, there will be many players who will be doing this kind of work. And it's important that there are because- mm -hmm. This is not a winner-takes-all type scenario. Um, what I tend to find is that investment groups um, have niches that they're very good at. They will have networks that are specific yeah. to them. They will have particular kinds of expertise that speaks to particular kinds of companies. So there's definitely room for lots mm -hmm. of parties to digitise their processes. In fact, I think um, angel groups should digitise their processes, right? Yeah. VC funds <laughs> digitise their processes, not um, as a replacement from what they do, yeah. but as an adjunct to it, right, to open it up mm -hmm. to more people. So, 
Yeah, I'm a as a tech analyst, clearly I'm all for digitizing everything yeah. <laughs> as much as we can. I think this whole movement and what I'm learning about AI is another opportunity on that front. But we'll put that to the side for now. Well, <laughs> I, I think I think what's interesting about that comment, right, is that yeah. if you rewind back five years, and you'll know this better than anyone, right? Given what you've just said, <laughs> you know, when you say to people, uh, you know equity crowdfunding is going to digitize the process of venture capital everybody thought that was complete madness because we're so used to it being a face-to-face touch and feel type business right you got to meet the founders you've got to eyeball the team you got to go and visit the the business you got to touch and feel the products otherwise how can you possibly know (laughs) but but over time the digitization of things like banking and insurance and really you know, important stuff has got us very comfortable with the idea of engaging digitally, even in a high-risk asset class like venture capital. And I think the numbers that we're now talking about that mm. are unfold in this way is proof that consumers are very comfortable investing in this way. Yeah, absolutely. We call it crossing the chasm in that Jeffrey Moore's adoption curve. So, yeah, I think we oh, are starting to yeah. get over that chasm of perhaps it was too late back in the day, but uh, now, yeah, I think that's, as you say, a much more palatable way. It enables you to be able to have that smaller size of fund because the distribution is not as high, which leads me to the other question around, um, so within a funds management, is that the way that um, you'll be able to um, participate as the subscription fees? What's the kind of model look like on that side? Um, for deal flow that goes through? Yeah, the, yeah. The digitization of the uh, capital raising process for a founder mm-hmm. um, requires the founder to... Um, be comfortable with the idea that we use digital tools and processes in order to create distribution for their deal, right? So you have to be mm-hmm. very comfortable with the idea that it is, in effect, a digital marketing campaign where yeah. the it's being sold is your round, right? Yeah. So the reason I'm giving you that context is because it speaks mm-hmm. to you, right? So in order to do that, then, there's an establishment fee um, that needs yeah. to be covered to allow the build work, if you like. Yeah. Um, and then typically you need some um, digital marketing assets for it to really work. And mm-hmm. um, and I think of things like a pitch video, yeah. right, which is done really, really well and designed to um, replace as best you can digitally the the meeting of the founder, the mm-hmm. visit of the premises, the yeah. touch and the feeling of the product or the meeting of the team, right? With a really well done video, you can in some ways touch on those things and mm-hmm. allow somebody who's not in the same room to meet the people and to tour the space and to so it's as close as you can get to yeah. replacing analog process with digital yeah. stuff. But there's a cost that's attached to that. So your question around fees is fair. So there's an up upfront establishment fee, there's digital yeah fees you need to be aware of and then we charge a commission at the end which is a pretty yep. standard brokerage standard being in the being in the industry yeah. <laughs> it's very similar and then so that side from those investors that are providing the funds and watching these videos any fees for those guys yeah so typically we charge a contribution fee up front and then we we um we funnel that capital into a um, a trust that we manage on behalf of investors. Yeah. Um, that's good for investors. That's good for the founders as well because it means they've just got one single line item on their cap table rather than potentially hundreds of people. Um, and then we'll take a carried interest off the if there's a liquidity event at the end. And the idea of the carried interest is that it replaces management fees and it aligns our management interest with that of investors, which means if the deal does well, then everybody does well. Um, if it does not, then effectively you know, we don't charge a management fee along the way. Yeah. 
Um, and then in terms of their skew, is there any type of asset or is there any dates that you aim to um, exit? Any guide around that front? It depends. So it depends on the stage of the investment. So we've done everything from, you know, seed stage investments. Or when I say we, our investors through the VentureCap platform have invested in everything from early stuff, stuff that's come out of accelerator programs. We sponsored the Lumina X Health Accelerator on the Gold Coast last year. And um, our investors went into every single one of the cohort that came through that program. There are different stages, but largely seed stage investments. We've done everything up to um, IPO and pre-IPO. So VentureCrowd is designed not to be, when you think of VentureCrowd, it's not it's not just a retail crowdfunding platform. It's a digital investment platform for alternative assets. And that means we don't just do, you know, sort of 50 bucks into a brewery type deals. Um, in fact, we don't do any of those deals. All the deals that we put on the platform are designed to be, to have some kind of investment um, thesis, which has the potential at least to generate uh, proper venture capital style returns. So unless it has that kind of, potential we won't we won't run it and that can be at any stage from seed all the way through to um, IPO and pre-IPO and we've done all of those deals. Very interesting and very broad based which is which is always interesting and fun um, being on the other side. <laughs> um, can you talk to maybe um, some of the investments that we we might have heard of or that um, give us a bit of context to what you've just mentioned? Yeah cool so the, the starting point on that and this is sort of um, where we kind of began is we know that um, the, the next generation of venture capital investor, millennials, Gen Zs, as they become the beneficiaries of the um, largest intergenerational transfer of wealth in history, those mm -hmm. are the people who will now be decided. They're the most important financial services customer in the market, in my view, at the moment and over the next five years for sure. Now, the reason that's relevant to your question is because they are very much telling us what they want to invest in. And I think, you know, I think you know where I'm going with this, right? I do. And that's why I've got you on here. <laughs> yeah. So purpose first, right? Purpose first. Yes, they want to make money, but they don't want to pollute the planet. They don't want to, um, you know, they don't want to in, um, entrench gender uh, inequity. They don't want any of the things, any of those side effects that we've seen from profit above all else kind of thinking over the last sort of 50 years. So we start with a, the way we screen businesses for VentureCard is we say, do they address one or more of the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals or not? If they do, we're good, we can play on. Mm -hmm. um, and then from there, so purpose comes first. And as, a, as an example of the kinds of businesses that, that have been funded through VentureCrowd, um, we've invested in nanotechnology cancer treatments through a business called Ingenic. This was a, a business that was, that was on its last legs. We raised 5 million bucks for that. So our investors were really supportive of what was going on there. Two ex-CSIRO scientists, not an easy thing to get your head around. So we weren't actually sure how that was going to go on a digital yeah. platform. But investors were right behind that story. Yeah. They loved the founders and... Um, so that's one example. On the climate tech side, we've invested in, in a business called um, Waveswell, which is yeah. creating electricity from wave energy. Again, Australian ex-CSIRO IP, really powerful stuff, potentially. Yeah. Um, Nexpa, who have created a patented naturally sugar-free sweetener formula. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, it's so good. And it, I mean, yeah. I was just looking at, um, I was talking to the founders over the last couple of days, they're going to do another round. They've now removed over seven, I want to say billion mm -hmm. uh, teaspoons of sugar from the world's diets as a result yeah. of the business. So yeah, this yeah. is a great little story. Yeah, and, and other things like artificial sweeteners, which are, do all types of things as well. So I just... Nothing artificial, yeah. 
yeah. Triple bottom line impact. But yeah, so do we, right? So our team loves that and we know that our investors love that. And I think that's where investors are going. Um, so I think it's incumbent on all sort of financial services yeah. providers to be thinking along those lines. Otherwise, people will desert those groups. Yep. I'm glad it's not just me pitching that. Now, we're only just touched the surface, but that's the goal of this podcast is to really just have a little bit of flavor about what you're doing, what the origins are. So again, if anybody does want to hear more from Stephen about Venture Crowd, um, where where can they go, Steve? What can they do? We're not hard to find. <laughs> we, um, the, the Venture Crowd website is simply venturecrowd.com.au. Great. Well, thank you once again, Steve, and I look forward to uh, seeing the journey over the next couple of years. Thanks, Elise. Appreciate your time.